Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the podcast production company that's making the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts and a sixth event podcast, But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows and vote on the way their stories will progress. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for listening. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pun. Get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. There are plenty of different designs available, so there is guaranteed to be something you love. To show your love of Dum Dums and Dice, go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B. D-U-M-B. D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back? Redbubble.com slash people slash dice. Get your merchandise today. All art supplied by the brilliant decapitated markers. Welcome back, children of the night, to Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am your host, Count Vlad von Lestat, drinker of blood, keeper of the chronicle, and all-around spooky dude. Ah, 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 ah. Due to the current circumstances of the mortal world, we must pause our tale for a moment until our coterie can get together once again to continue the tale. But in the meantime, we are proud to present something new. This week, we bring you a very special episode of Blood and Syrup, part one of our miniseries, Blood and Syrup, the Untold Messy Successes, where we explore the history of the Montreal Coterie before they became kindred. Rest assured, we will continue our dark chronicle as soon as we are able, but in the meantime, the tale of a poet, a patron, and a descent into darkness. So abandon hope, all ye who listen here. Ah, 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 ah. Spooky. So before the Coterie, and before Montreal, there was Iris Dunn. Iris was an inspirational poet, 
a great artist, and at the time that we pick up our story this evening, was on her way to a gala where she would secure her reputation as one of America's foremost poets. Things have been a bit tough for you, Iris, uh, since uh, the administration flipped over. The Obamas were great patrons of your work, um, and uh, you performed at the White House several times. Um, however, uh, with the recent administration, you are having more and more difficulty, um, A, getting sort of funding and patronage for your work, and B, getting the high-profile events that you were accustomed to. Um, I think a good baseline for this is... Uh, a little bit how Tahani and The Good Place felt about like kind of being edged out of things by her sister, except mm. you are the sister. Right. So you have the talent, you have the capability, you have all of that, but the tides have just turned ever so slightly and your your books are still selling brilliantly. Um, you've just, your third one just came out um, and uh, everything's going well, but like you could use a boost. Okay. Um, I also didn't know I was American. Yeah. Yeah. You got run out of Chicago. Ah. Mm-hmm. It's a small detail I dropped a long time ago because I love Chicago. Sorry. It's all good. Um, it's funny because Vampire the Masquerade as a, as a setting is very like American-centric with the exception of Montreal, <laughs> which is the only place mentioned in yeah. Canada, um, which might be why we're there. Um, but yes, uh, you aren't necessarily American, but at this point you're living in Chicago. Okay. Um, but I think probably uh, American makes the most sense. Um so, um, as you'll recall, when you made your character, uh, you selected one of the uh, one of the downsides as uh, blood hunt, uh, which means that at some point in your life, Iris, you were run out of town for a massive masquerade violation that basically means that the Camarilla put a price on your head. It's one of the few times the Camarilla opens its ranks to all vampires because if you fuck with the masquerade, you gots to go. So this, Iris, is the story of why you had to leave Chicago. Uh-oh. Um, we pick up on a rainy evening. Uh, you're in the back of a limo with Emily, uh, who is fastidiously taking notes, and you are very, very much mortal. So you're on your way to a gala art exhibit at Chicago's famed Field Museum, um, and you're going there with a particular mission in mind. Currently, your third book is nominated for the Rebecca Danielle Profitidi the Rebecca Danielle Profidius Award for Poetry. Uh, this is an incredibly prestigious award, and if you get it, it will spike your book sales and likely give you the uh, creative uh, and financial momentum uh, to continue on your tours and to, to likely get uh, a fourth deal. You had a three-book deal with your publisher. They have not renewed for a fourth. The third book is selling well, but the first two really hit. Administration flipped, and now people are less interested in heart-wrenching uh, poetry. And as a result, you're feeling you're feeling the burn a little bit. Oh, no. Uh, so, uh, although Iris isn't aware that in the future she is, is a kindred, you, Megan Miles, are. So, with that in mind... Uh, since this is the first time you've gotten to play Iris as a mortal, um, what's Iris drinking in the back of the limo? She's probably drinking some very handcrafted gin. Mm. All right. So um, you're si sipping a gin. Um, what um, We talked about this a bit when back in session zero. Um, what kind of poetry do you think Iris does? You'd mentioned like kind of a Rupi Kapoor style. Is that kind of where you're, where you're at? Rupi Kaur, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. It's very um, free form, 
it's not it doesn't necessarily follow structure i think she i think she kind of plays with genre mm. and i it's um like her books are full of almost short story type poems but also um t- more traditional poetry kind of um random thoughts not really Anne Sexton because Anne Sexton kind of had a lot of really dark things to go to but the same kind of cadence and structure where it's more free form and doesn't really follow any rules but it's 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 mostly about female struggles in life and trying to trying to be happy and encouraging other other people to be happy within what we're given in this life so with that in mind do you think that her because it's, it kind of sounds like if her stuff is so hard to categorize then kind of she herself as artist is kind of the draw yeah and then you just experience what she's curated for yeah you. it's, it's her charisma and her her presence and energy that is m- the most captivating and it kind of seeps it, it you can feel it through her writing you mm-hmm. know those are those those writers where yeah they're writing with other characters but you can really feel Mm-hmm. their presence in the writing yeah i think that's that's kind of her gift okay so with that in mind then i imagine live performances and live and the, the tour and the performativity of it and the the going on shows and discussing it is probably a huge part right? oh yeah for sure okay cool so with that in mind let's say that um the uh the uh, rebecca danielle perfidious award this will get you back into the limelight in a pretty big way um, just being there well getting the award will um in in like if you think about how strange, particularly for artists, the news cycle got when the Obama administration ended and the Trump administration began, um, because of uh, kind of how fast everything moves and how big a lot of those political events were, a lot of um, art that normally would get a lot of attention disappeared. Mm-hmm. It still happened, but you know, um, it's it's interesting hearing um, uh, singers and poets even um hamilton was built in the obama era and a lot of the criticism of that play now is based on the fact that everyone's like this was this was like geared to a different time Mm -hmm. it's still relevant and still interesting but the tone would be violently different if it was written now yeah so i think for you kind of getting to ride that wave and then suddenly have it shift means that um getting this award will just bring you back into the news cycle in a way you haven't been able to penetrate recently right um so it's it's low-key frustrating. Your work hasn't gotten worse. It's just that the attention your work has been getting has been lowered. Right. Um, but this is a big, big opportunity. A lot of the city's top politicians will be there, um, other artists. Um, but um, the person that you need to impress most is Walter Sims. So Walter Sims is a huge patron of the arts, uh, both literally and metaphorically. Um, he, is, uh, he made his money in uh, electronics, uh, microchips, back in the 80s, and he's been riding that wave ever since. And he's not quite at an Elon Musk level, but he's pretty up there. He seems to just kind of be an, an infinite source of um, arts funding as well as, like, personal patronage. And he does it with athletes as well. There are people that he's, like, kind of, uh, like, funded straight out of college to help, like, pay their way through college so that they'll end up in sports leagues. But uh, he's known as a renowned collector of art as well as uh, a, a wild spender when it comes to patrons. He is also one of the main seats on the awards committee. So you think you've got a very good shot at this. Your third uh, third book is probably the most personal you've ever written, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why it isn't getting as much press because it's it, it hurts more. It's a harder read. Right. 
Um, but you think it's really worthwhile. Also, Emily has really been psyching you up for this. She she loved it. She like cried a lot. She's got one of the lines tattooed on like Aww, on, her, on her foot. Um, on her foot. She has to be very professional, so she doesn't want anyone to see the tattoo, <laughs> but she knows it's there. Um, so she's got it on the the arch of her foot. Um, what do you think the the name of that book is? Budding. Budding. Great. Um, so, um, Emily, um, is kind of, uh, trying to look busy, um, on her, her phone organizing things, but since you're on your way to a gala, there's not a whole hell of a lot for her to do other than review the, the personnel files of who's going to be there so she can, like, Whisper Emily in my Blunt ear. and Stanley Tucci over your shoulder, yeah. Um. No, it's Emily Blunt and Anne Hathaway. Stanley Tucci doesn't do that. He's too important. Tucci does it at one point. No, he doesn't. I think he does it for Anne Hathaway. He no. just leans in and he's like... No. Whatever. In my, in, my, in my head, Stanley Tucci's always the guy over your shoulder helping you out because Stanley Tucci. <laughs> um, but uh, you can see she's kind of glancing up at you to kind of get a sense of, of where you're at. Uh, and then finally she goes, um, Iris, I, I know I know you asked me not to ask, but um, how, are, how are you feeling going into this? Um, I'm I'm a little nervous, but but pretty excited. I think I got a, a really good chance here, Em, and I look fabulous, don't I? You do look fabulous. Uh, what are you wearing? I'm wearing an emerald green ball gown, and I've got my hair in. Um, it's it's pretty effortlessly flowing. I think that's Iris's style. Is she just looks elegant at all times, but doesn't look like she's got a lot of makeup or or mm. hair going on. She's just like like accidental accidental uh, elegance. accidental elegance. But she, she she the the dress is expensive and luxurious, and it's it's almost like the. I, I imagine the green dress that um, Kira Knightley wears in Atonement, mm. where it's just flowy and elegant and sinewy, and she just it's an easy it's an easy look, but still high impact. Great. Um, Emily is wearing a very simple, uh, although incredibly fashionable, uh, black dress with um, probably a nice necklace. But that's it. <laughs> She's she wants to stay as anonymous as possible. That's hair, my Emily. Her hair is up in that that classic. Uh, I'm working at a fancy event, like hella tight. Wearing the thick rim glasses. You know it, like just full on like iPad in in the crook I of am, her elbow. Yep, and, and like instead of a clutch, like that's that's her clutch for the night. Yeah, uh, she doesn't have money or keys. She just has Apple Pay on her iPad, so she'll just tap it on anything that needs to happen. <laughs> But um, as you, of course, would know, Iris, uh, these events aren't for spending money. <laughs> the money's already been spent. I need it. You just show up and people deliver drinks to you. You never need to pay. Um, so you pull up in front of the field, uh, the field museum. Uh, the field museum is a beautiful, beautiful um, uh, building. Uh, it's got like the the exterior is kind of multifaceted. It's a bit of a cross between like because uh, obviously we're in Toronto, the old Rom, mm. and uh, it's got almost like a Greek bit of a Greek vibe. Very very um, beautiful uh, museum grounds, uh, and um, it's at the end of a long park. So the limo pulls up um, kind of through green. Um, and up in front, uh, there are um, massive banners um, kind of lining the sides of the entrance with um, with the award on them. Uh, and you can see just kind of like paparazzi lined up, uh, even in the rain, under umbrellas all the way up. There's a slightly soggy red carpet um, that is going down the stairs. And uh, as soon as the door opens, there are two incredibly tall um, men with umbrellas who are holding them like four feet above your head so that 
the photos don't show that they're there, yeah. but that you aren't getting rained on. Um, <clears throat> so uh, you begin to make your way uh, up the stairs. Do you think you would uh, stop and pose or like speak to these these reporters at all? What's what's your vibe in terms of like Iris the celebrity? I think I need to. I think that's the whole point of this is to boost my visibility. Even if I don't win the the award, having having the visibility of being here is important. So I definitely probably talk talk to a couple of them. But I think if there are fans or anything like that, that's more important to her. Um, okay, yeah. So you see um, a uh, a lady with um, kind of like uh, short shortish hair um, who is soaking wet, who is kind of snuck in uh, between the um, between the paparazzi uh and um as you're walking up uh you hear her um kind of um yell uh, at you with with a, a very um heavily accented french voice uh just saying uh miss dan miss dan i came all the way from montreal hello i love you hi Je hi love you love you too thanks for coming um, you can see her, her face just light up, uh, and you know that when she gets back to her, uh, university dorm, she'll definitely put up some inspirational <laughs> Iris posters. I hate you. Um. She wasn't French in. You were speaking French in the main oh, show. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how accents work. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're wondering what the fuck we're talking about, uh, go check out, uh, the university arc of Blood and Syrup. Um, so, and, uh, discover the secret origin of... <laughs> Iris's eventual stalker. Um, so uh, with that, you're kind of um, Emily is, is kind of like muttering, like "Walk faster, walk faster," um, just because the the rain is is getting worse, and there doesn't seem to be much much hope of staying dry if you stay out much longer. Um, so the two of you uh, make your way into the museum. Um, you enter, and uh, the the place is just buzzing uh, with excitement. Um, the central hall of uh, the Field Museum is a massive chamber uh, with a giant, um, almost perfect uh, Tyrannosaurus skeleton uh, in the center um, that I think is only missing like two bones. Uh, so it's a, just a perfect specimen. Um, and uh, you can see that the, the T-Rex seems to almost be lording over uh, the proceedings underneath, uh, and your your eyes light briefly on the sharp teeth. Um, Ominous. Yeah, truly. Uh, but um, you know, ominous, but also you, you you know you're inspired by how small you are in the greater scheme of things, and how how brief and fleeting mortal life is. Um, you make your way inside and are greeted by a, a sort of a couple of people. Uh, there's the whole like check-in process that Emily handles, uh, and your eyes kind of oh yeah, scan I don't, I I don't see that. You know, I walk in and everyone should I should I should just be able to walk right in. Hundred uh, percent. So while she's dealing with that, um, you look around and you start to see people that um, uh, Emily had earmarked for for your attention. Um, specifically, uh, you see um, the. Uh, like a local uh, counselor, uh, Frederick McCheese, um, as well as uh, another um, sort of uh, local counselor, uh, Benson Honeycutt. Uh, these two men could not be more different. But uh, Emily did give you the heads up that um, both of them have a lot of sway with Walter Sims. However, they hate each other. So you'll have to pick which one you want to kind of try and get on side. But ultimately, whoever you get on side will piss off the other one. So it'll be up to you to kind of determine which of these two idiots you want to try and uh, try and impress. Uh, but she has more information f- for you on them. But you're happy to see they're there because they're away in with Sims. 
Um, as your eyes continue to scan the room, um, they f- you fall on uh, a brilliant emerald green dress that looks alarmingly similar to yours across the, the room. Um, and a uh, woman who is wearing her um, her like almost white blonde hair down in a nice kind of careless flowing fashion turns and locks eyes with you and you see her eyes narrow um, and you recognize your rival Chantel Halloway. Chantel represents everything you hate about poetry and the art world. She does like, uh, you know, at the beginning of a lot of online recipes, there's just extraordinarily long, like personal histories about it that no one really wants. Like, oh, like I was reading a stew recipe a couple days ago. I was like, oh boy, it's hot in Florida today. Yeah. Jeez, but yeah. you know, my nephew always wants stew. So I thought about the carrots in my garden. I'm like, just give me the fucking recipe. Like she's published her stream of consciousness. Yeah, that's her. It's like, it's incredibly stream of consciousness. Um, Think like if uh, like a Kardashian wrote stream of consciousness. Yeah, I'm just like yoga is fun. Oh, the color green makes me feel pretty. Yeah, and then like complaints about that. So like, I couldn't find a spot for my mat, and that's not fair. This is my Zen space, and people need to respect it. Um, <laughs> that said, uh, everyone loves a train wreck, uh, and ever it's like she's honestly like it. In a way, it's like if a Kardashian wrote for Goop. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of like very flighty, like, you know, if you need to cleanse your aura, you should really just buy my product. Uh, and she has a whole product line associated with with her stuff. Um, you fucking hate Chantel, and Chantel fucking hates you. And as your eyes lock across the room, um, you you feel a slight sense of betrayal because Emily sure as shit did not warn you she would be here. Um, she raises a glass to you, uh, mouths, I wore it better, uh, and then walks off into the crowd. There's, there's literally nothing I can do to that other than drink. (laughs) So, uh, as always happens at these types of events, uh, champagne magically appears in your hand, uh, from a, uh, likely underpaid, overworked arts server, uh, who rushes by with a drink, um, and Emily kind of uh, quickly bustles over to you, and she's like, "Okay, don't, mm, don't, don't uh, panic. Wait, uh, what? I've got who, some bad what? news. You got, oh, you got something to tell me? I do. Huh? I, I just what do, found what do you out- have to tell me, Emily? What? Okay. What's going on? Hmm? Chantel. What? What? What, is what here. might? What might be happening, Emily? Yeah, Chantel Halloway's here. I just, I just saw her name. No on the shit. She wasn't supposed to be here. I knew she was up for the award, but I, I the, she was, she's supposed to be in Japan. Have you seen what she's wearing? And Emily, you just see Emily like her face hardens because like she's not really cowed by you but she is like she's so heavily in your corner that like her face just hardens to like if a shiv was nearby and you see her like terminator turn and scan the room and when she sees it she's like that fucking mm. she's like i was i was guaranteed this was a one of a kind i don't know how she got the look in advance we are firing everyone Everyone at that store. Yeah, you need to get the security on lockdown with our with our communications here, Emily, because clearly you let something slip. Uh, she she clearly feels terrible, um, and is is uh, like you can see uh, her eyes are kind of uh, nervously darting around. Um, you're worried though, because as furious as you are about this, you also desperately need Emily to be on her game tonight. Yeah. So uh, I need you to please roll me 
a leadership check. Uh, so that's your leadership and um, either charisma or composure. I've got no leadership. You have no leadership. No leadership. Uh, well, um, how, what, what do you, how do you think you would inspire a panicked Emily? Would you do it with, I would assume leadership, but it could also be persuasion. Uh, it could be etiquette. But that's about it. I mean, leadership's fine. I'll just use my charisma. Okay, sure thing. Uh, and please add, uh, so the way we're going to mechanically play this is I'm still going to have you add hunger dice. Um, but it's not that you're a vampire. It's just these will represent the odds, the increased odds of your failure. So add one, one of those, please. So I have three charisma, so you want me to have two and one? Yes, that's correct. Thank you. Two fives and a ten. Uh, all right. So uh, is the and let me know, of course, if the the successes are on hunger, hunger dice. Uh, was it just on regular dice? The ten was on regular. Dice. Okay, great. Um, so yes, you you managed to uh, to, to calm her down. Uh, it doesn't take much. Um, again, she she's a pro, but um, it's mostly I think that she needs to know that you don't hate her. Yeah. You can be mad at her, and she can handle that. But like. You kind of the two of you walk an odd line between friendship and and coworkers that just needs to be addressed. So um, you manage to calm her down pretty quickly. You've always been good at this. You know exactly what to say and how to say it. Uh, and quickly enough, Emily is, is back under control. So she says, "Okay, um, Mr. Sims is already here. Uh, he's been going around. He has apparently spent a lot of this evening talking to Chantel. Um, unfortunately, he is a huge fan of hers. He has uh, followed her on social media, which, as you know, is really the only sign we have of, of where these people are leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I know for a fact that uh, his wife is a huge fan of her products and uh, is one of their top buyers. So Chantel's definitely got an in. We need to make sure that we get you an, an equal or better in as soon as possible. Um, so she kind of points to... Um, to uh, McCheese and uh, Honeycutt. And she's like, okay, so as we discussed, uh, these two might be your best way in. Um, okay. But first, before we go into this, just a little bit of flavor I want to add. Sure, Emily, yeah. I think it's, I think we need to bust out the perfume. So I feel like Iris has this, this scent, this perfume that she puts on to make herself feel more powerful because you know, those scents where you, you walk past someone and you smell them and, immediately you're intrigued by your them. Eye, your eye tracks them. Because you're just like, yes. that smells so interesting, so lovely, and like very important almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, totally. I feel like Iris would definitely have something like that. So do, she, you, do you have an idea of what that would smell like? It doesn't necessarily need to be like, here's the ingredients, but like what if you were to like describe it in like two words, if you were to smell this, like what what's the vibe you get? It's like soft but potent. You okay. know those you know those scents where it's like they're not offensive, they don't like sting your nose, but it's very prominent. You can you can smell it, but it's very like calming and soothing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so she she's like, Yes, ma'am, and she like pulls a secret necklace out with like the the vial of it on um, and hands it to you. Uh, so I'm going to give you advantage on your next um, your next check, uh, which basically means you can take the worst dice and re-roll it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, as we play this weird broken version of <laughs> without vampires, um, wicked. So um, she's like, "Okay, great idea, ma'am. I think that'll that'll really make the difference." Uh, here's the issue. 
uh, Frederick Machise, uh, as you know, is um, uh, he's kind of viewed as a bit of a clown. Uh, he, despite Chicago having a pretty good transit system, he is insistent that the city needs a monorail. He thinks the, the, the Chicago World's Fair was the greatest thing that ever happened to the city. He wants to revive it by making a citywide monorail, um, which is ridiculous because Chicago's transit is already above ground and above the city. But he wants a specific monorail uh, to kind of run a ring around uh, Chicago. Uh, it's a terrible idea and everybody hates it. Um, so he's viewed as a bit of a putz. The fact that his last name is McCheese definitely doesn't help. But um, he's also known as kind of a jolly, fun guy. So definitely someone you'd want to have a beer with. Probably not someone you'd want running your, your city. The other politician, on the other hand, is uh, Benson Honeycutt. Um, he is, um, think like a, um, oh, who's the character I'm looking for here? Uh, like a nerdier Ted Danson type. Uh, very worldly, very well-spoken, um, and uh, is is definitely... Of the two, someone who would be more inclined to be interested in, theoretically, in kind of what you're peddling, except uh, he has expressed a lifelong hatred of poetry. He says it's the only class he ever failed in university, and he's never forgiven it. So he's very worldly, he's very he's a patron of the arts, but he fucking hates poetry. Okay. Um, so basically, um, those are your, kind of your two targets. Uh, Frederick McCheese is um, like a Kevin James type. Um, like there's always a mustard stain somewhere on his person. Mm-hmm. Um, not exactly like much more kind of like a blue collar man of the people type. Uh, whereas Honeycutt is a much more, um, white collar, um, sort of like cultural elite, but also has a, has a bias against your, your particular brand. Uh, so those are the two people you could potentially use to try and get to Walter Sims. It'll be up to you to determine who you want to go after. Let's go for Benson. All right. So um, you find uh, Benson um, not standing in the main room, but standing off in kind of one of the side exhibits um, where the exhibit itself has been closed, but um, a number of local paintings have been put up, um, as well as some older pieces that have been brought over from from the uh, Museum of Art nearby. Um, and uh, you find him deep in conversation with a couple of hangers-on who are, who are, are just listening. It's the classic, like... I know about this art drone where mm-hmm. he's just going on, but like, as you can see, the brush strokes are, are quite impressive in this particular specimen, although I must say, not as impressive as his work two years later. <laughs> and they all like have that awkward pause before laughing with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can see that uh, he's just going to, he's like three paintings in, and he seems to want to just kind of walk this room explaining paintings. Right. Okay. So I, I would likely just sidle up to him and, and start trying to engage him in conversation about the paintings because Iris is a is pretty, I think, pretty literate in, in artistic language. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, do you have etiquette? Uh, yes. Can you roll me an etiquette and uh, charisma, please? And keep in mind you have advantage from your fancy-ass perfume. I can re-roll my... Your lowest. My lowest. But you have to take the new result. Okay. 
Well, I can't get worse than a one. Uh, that is true. <laughs> so I have four successes out of five, and one is a ten. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, you you um, you have a friend. Um, do you where where do you think uh, Iris is originally from? Are you from Chicago, or do you think you moved? Are you from somewhere smaller and then? Moved? I think she's from a small town. Small town. Yeah, um, something pretty idyllic, though, like not Podunk, but um, yeah, like, like like a really tiny Massachusetts town. Okay, yeah, so like so still affluent but small. Sure. Okay, great. Um, so you actually know, um, the, not the painter, but I think maybe, um, like the painter's agent or something like you or a dealer, let's say maybe a dealer, uh, who actually, um, ran the sales on these, these particular items. So you have a ton of knowledge about these. Mm -hmm. Um, and also you've got some fun stories. So, um, you sidle up and you begin to engage him in conversation um, and he's, uh, he's a little taken aback, but in a kind of a game recognized game way, um, where, uh, he, he's just kind of nodding along and he's like, oh, I hadn't heard that. Oh, that is very funny. I've always wondered where the, the chip in that frame came from, but of course it would be from Sotheby's. Oh, <laughs> bunch of gorillas handling things down there, aren't they? Then, uh, he kind of, uh, pauses and looks at you and says, I, do I know you from somewhere? I'm actually up for an award tonight. My name's Iris. Iris Dunn, the poet. The motivational speaker. Interesting. But I thought you wrote those, uh, wasn't your, your recent uh, book, it was something about virginity, wasn't it? Or or, or the first menses uh, budding, I believe you called it? Yes, but I, I don't consider them necessarily poetry as a uh, an account of my thoughts and my life and the world ah well that is an interesting perspective i i don't care for poetry much myself uh, i i appreciate it of course as a connoisseur of the arts mm -hmm. but not not quite my not quite my tempo but uh and i do I mean, appreciate a good inspirational speech yeah. i and i mean i don't i don't uh I don't love poetry myself, but my thoughts just tend to come out in, in streams and I put them on the page and people have labeled it poetry. Ah, yes. The labels of the common person mm -hmm. are quite irksome. I have been called arrogant in my day, if you oh, can believe it. I can't believe that. He, like, adjusts his, like, crystal tie pin. <laughs> um well, uh, Miss Dunn, I must say, I, I find it very refreshing to hear a, an artist speak about their work in, in such a way. I, I, I had the un unfortunate uh, displeasure of speaking to a, a Miss Holloway earlier, who, who seemed to believe that she was changing the world with her drivel. But it's, it's nice to see someone recognize that, that they can't control what people like, that people just like what they like, and that's what they'll take. So uh, I must say, I'm, I'm rather impressed. And you're, you're up for the award, are you? I am, yes. Oh, interesting. Well... It's uh, it's been a, a, a remarkable pleasure speaking with you, Miss Dunn. You, you'll have to come by um, one of my uh, my husband runs very nice events. Um, perhaps Ooh. you've heard of them. They're the talk of the town. I absolutely have. They're very hard to get into. Well, I will make sure that we have an invitation for you. It's always nice to to see someone who who understands that art is the product, and the artist is the true draw. 
Um, and um, with that, he kind of like nods to you and continues to like talk these ladies up as, as he walks them through the, uh, through the gallery. Um, but you feel like you've definitely got him on side. Yes. Hi there, I'm Tom McGee, and I love stories. And odds are, if you're listening to our shows, you do too. So, if you're wondering how you can help support our storytelling and world building and these wonderful characters and their sometimes ridiculous journeys, you can head on over to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. There you'll find a variety of different levels and different perks, starting from as low as a dollar, which gets you into our Patreon-only Discord, where you can talk about the latest episodes, all the twists and turns, and just generally hang out with some truly lovely people. There's a whole variety of levels with everything from advanced episodes, ad-free feeds, to of course at our $25 level, getting to create your very own character who appears in some of our shows and sometimes becomes a a long-running friend or foe of our characters. So, if you want to get involved, if you want to help us tell more of these stories, then head on over to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. And help us create more of these fun adventures together. Hey, friends. It's Ryan, but like regular Ryan, as himself, talking about dum-dums and dice. Yeah, so I'm one of the people behind this show. Obviously, you're listening to the show. You're loving this show. Somebody's doing great. Probably probably not me, but like Tom. He does really good work. Tyler does really good work. Uh, third person also does really good work. I don't know what show this is on. But the important thing is that you can support the show and join the show at patreon.com slash dice. That's right. That address that I totally just said. Go there. Join Dum Dums and Dice. Support the show. It's going to be great. Um. So you um make your way back out uh, to see Emily having an incredibly tense conversation, um, with uh, a man who is uh like he is beautiful. Like we're talking like um. Uh, was Shamar? What's his name from? Um, Shamar Moore. Yeah, from like that yeah, level. Of just like every single feature is perfect. Uh, I'm thinking uh, the guy from uh, Criminal Minds that Shira's in love with. Yeah, Shamar Moore. Shamar Moore, great. Um, didn't realize he was also on soaps. Makes sense. Oh yeah, he started on YNR, I think. Great. So yeah. just like someone like that who like when the genetics click together someone accidentally spilled all the good ones into one human yeah um and uh he is similarly wearing like a uh like just an incredibly well-fitted vest uh, over um a uh, like an immaculate uh white button-up shirt um he's got rolled up to expose incredibly nice uh forearms uh and just like casually un- undone at the neck um and you recognize him as kevin Chantel holloway's emily um and uh he um he's pointing at his apple watch and she's pointing at her ipad uh, and they seem to be having it out about the dress situation uh here's my question to you do you think you intercede no (laughs) this is an emily fight this is an emily fight like there's no point in me going over great um so you brush past them um and uh you see um uh, Frederick McCheese uh, just kind of muttering about like the artistic elite and he could definitely see you chatting up um, uh, Honeycutt so he's kind of giving you the eye yeah but I think I, I what I want to do is I just want to walk past him mm-hmm. casually and make it as if like I'm just trying to like maneuver through a crowd and gently like touch him on the shoulder while he gets a whiff of my perfume okay let's uh, let's use your like I just want to be like 
aloof and mysterious. I think we're going to treat this perfume like your normal vampiric powers. Yeah. Uh, so go ahead with your, uh, what's your, your special ability there? Um, it's, it's presence, right? Yeah. Uh, presence and, and awe. Awe? Okay. So yeah, go ahead and let, let's use um, awe. So awe is free. Um, it's plus one to persuasion. Right. Okay. So let's do um, manipulation plus presence. Okay. Or wait, no. Add, add the presence rating to any skill involving persuasion or performance as well as to any other charisma rolls. Cool. Um, yeah. So, sorry. Let's roll. Um, this would be charisma and... Yeah, probably persuasion, I think. Persuasion? Yeah. So, that's... And then you can add your presence to that as well. Seriously? That's what this, or, yeah, add your presence rating to any skill roll involving. It's my presence rating. Da, 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 da. Oh, it's um, how many ranks you have in, uh, it's in your disciplines. So on the, should be marked on your sheet there. Oh, one. one. Okay. Yeah, so basically add one to, to this roll, one extra die. Okay, so persuasion, and I get an extra for persuasion as well too, right? Yes. Jesus Christ. You might win this check. <laughs> I, ha- I have nine dice. It's <laughs> a lot of dice. <laughs> oh, no. With a lot of dice, you can still fail. So four. Four successes. Uh... Yeah, yeah, all right, I'll take that. Um, so, yeah, you uh, you brush against him, um, and you hear him say, Oh, uh, so terribly sorry about that. Uh, oh, wow, hi. Hi, and then I walk away. Uh, <laughs> as you walk away, you hear him mutter, I think she's an angel. <laughs> um, Engaging more than that is just a bad idea. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but you do feel as though you've tempered He'll be angry about honey cut, but the odds of him being angry about you are now much lower. Um, so you make your way past him, and um, you sort of make the rounds. And there's a lot of small talk. Um, Do I see um, Sims's wife anywhere? Because uh, if she's on side with Chantel, then I uh, yeah yeah yeah. I feel so, like I could get her on side. So you see Sims' wife. Um, she is uh, as one of the organizers of the event. Mm. Is um, overseeing um, kind of the the shifting of um, uh, one of the areas into a dance floor. Um, there's kind of like the reception has been forced back into the, the the front space, and there's kind of a dance floor for probably ballroom dancing being set up um, uh, further in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you can see her kind of um, overseeing that. Um, she is a. Um, uh, just like lo- looks like an incredibly capable businesswoman. I uh, think like uh, a Lucy Lawless type. Um, so she's in a suit. Um, it's, an, it's like an elegantly cut suit, but um, in a suit and very much in business mode. Okay. So I feel like I would send Emily over to her yep. with me. Like I, I bring Emily with me because like if she's in business mode, Emily's more better able to mm-hmm. like talk to someone and, and help them out. I think I would probably go over and, and offer Emily's as like as a oh, helper. Her assistance? Okay, great. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So she's very impressed by that. Uh, she's like, "Oh, uh, th- thank you. No one's paying any attention at all to to little old me just trying to make all this happen. But uh, this is greatly appreciated." And I don't know if I have any stress, but I would also be like, "Also, as the hostess of this this event, I'm so grateful, and I brought you a bottle of of this perfume that I use, and it's 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 be it's just, ugh." I just thought you'd enjoy it. Sure, yeah, I'll give that to you. And, and she sniffs the air and she says, Oh, darling, that is simply wonderful. Thank you. That's such a, a kind gift. Uh, you're, you're Iris Dunn, correct? I am. Oh, that's that's lovely. It's an honor to meet you. I simply loved budding. Oh, thank you. Um, I also loved Seed. I know it was a while ago, but it was it was a, a wonderful story. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. I She leans in conspiratorially in kind of a Just Us Girls way, and she's like, I must admit, I've been wearing a fragrance I bought from the Halloway collection, and it has not been uh, been doing me any justice. It smells very um, target, as it were. Hmm. Uh, so this well, would be nice. It'll well, be nice trust me, smell this elegant. Trust me, this scent it works wonders for getting what you want. This is, uh, well, uh, thank you, uh, Miss Dunn. It's uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. No, not there, you fools. The chairs must go around the tables. And then she, like, wanders off to, like, yell at, at staff. Um, but Emily gives you, like, a staunch thumbs up. Uh, she leans in and she's like, Kevin's a prick. He's <laughs> a handsome prick, but he's a prick. Uh, and then she wanders off to, to continue to deal with things. Uh, well, I feel like I'd lean in and be like, feel free to stiletto him in the shins if you want. Um, she just smiles and says, I thought you'd never ask. Um, and then uh, she smiles and she says, I always love when your violent side comes out, Iris. You, you keep it so so deeply in check. But <laughs> it's always nice to see the beast within. Um, and then she, she wanders off. Uh, and then two things happen to you simultaneously. Uh, one is you see Chantel Halloway approaching you uh, with a venomous grin on her face. Uh, and the other, perhaps more concerning thing, is you see a slight commotion at the door uh, and Iggy Dunn, your ne'er-do-well brother, arrives uh, on the arm of a supermodel uh, who has clearly earned herself a an invite. Um, so, Chantel's approaching you. This Iggy situation is going to get out of hand right quick. What do you do? I think I need to shove Iggy into a dark corner. Okay. It's so the more pressing. Ignore Chantel altogether? Yeah. Uh, all right, so you 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 stomp past Chantel. Um, uh, she mutters, "Oh, quite." Oh, sorry, she's <laughs> she's got vocal fry. For that. That's quite rude. I wanted to have a civilized conversation, Iris. Uh, do you say anything as you push past her? Um, I think I probably see something like family first, dear. Cool, great. Um, and she's like, "Ugh, gross." family um so you make your way uh, across the room and uh you see iggy just with a shit eater grin uh and he just says hey iris you got an invite to this shindig too how did you get in here uh this is and then you you see his brain clearly freeze on the name uh and he's like oh um starla this is starla uh she and i uh, we've been hitting the club scene uh, over in, in New York, but uh, we just hopped on her jet and came over here because uh, she wanted to see some dinosaurs. Isn't that right, honey? And she's like, yes, wanted to see dinosaur. Big, impressive dinosaur. Great. Awesome. So you've seen the dinosaur. Now get out. Oh, come on. Iris, the party's just getting started Iggy, here. you can't ruin this for me. And I, I think I, I look over at Starla and I'll get and tell her, like, I'll give you $1,000 to blow on the town if you take him and leave right now. 
$5,000 sounds like very fun night on town. Uh, and Iggy rolls his eyes very dramatically, uh, but also is, you know, perpetually broke. So mm-hmm. it seems like he's jammed. And he's like, yeah, all right, okay. But um, you're going to owe me one. Okay. Um, just just leave. And the, his smile grows incredibly broad, which you always know, like owing Iggy a favor is just balls. Uh, and he's like, all right, let's go. Uh, honey, let's go see if we can find Dr. Skull. Maybe he can hook us up. Uh, and uh, off they go. Um, so with that uh, crisis averted, uh, you kind of take a deep breath and steady yourself. Uh, and then you turn uh, to see Walter Sims, um, who uh, just like grins. And Walter Sims is like a uh, um, John Reese davies type, um, like just tall, barrel-chested, uh, big beard, um, very gregarious kind of fellow. Uh, and just says, Iris Dunn. It is a pleasure to finally make your acquaintance. Walter Sims, likewise. Um, he, uh, he gestures to the party and says, I sincerely hope you have been enjoying our little party here this evening. I know it's tacky to do it in a museum, but I just couldn't help myself. I love being surrounded by history. It's lavish. I love it. Iris, I have heard some wonderful things about you this evening. My oh. dear friend, Mr. Benson Honeycutt, pitiful blowhard, but truly brilliant man, hmm. had nothing but kind things to say about you. Oh, that's so, so generous. And tell me, do you are you familiar with uh, Mr. McCheese, the city councillor who is obsessed with creating the singular rail system? I believe only by reputation. Ah, excellent. Well... Uh, he has been railing against a lot of the people here tonight, but you, he said, you were simply enchanting. Oh. oh I don't know what I did to deserve that praise, but I, I thank you. And he leans in and he's like, also, thank you for providing some perfume to the missus. She has reeked of that target-grade garbage for weeks. Oh, just a small token. Yes. Excellent. Iris, I must admit, I have been a fan of yours for some time. Would you be so kind as to join me for a drink afterwards and we can discuss some potential patronage opportunities for you? Oh, I'd be delighted. Excellent. Well, um, listen, uh, I have a place uh, across town. Here's the address. Simply come find me when you're done. Will do. Um, So that you head out back into the party um, and uh, things things are going well. It's uh, honestly the 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 uh, now that you've kind of got Sims in your pocket, you feel like and like you got the Iggy situation under control. You're actually able to enjoy yourself a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that has been lurking in the back of your mind, though, uh, is a trip uh, to your doctor from a few weeks ago. Um, the uh, she assured you there was nothing to be worried about yet, um, but that you should get some some tests done. And you've been waiting to hear the results of those tests. Um, it's been one of those things that's just lurking at the back of your mind. Um, and um, you kind of check in with Emily just midway through. Because it's the kind of thing that you can push away for a while. But like eventually just always kind of resurfaces. And she's like, sorry, ma'am. No, we, we haven't heard anything yet. But hopefully soon. And I'm sure it'll, uh, everything will come back positive. I, I can't imagine that there's anything wrong with you. You're, you're a picture of health. Aside from the gin. Um, Judgy. Oh, uh, please. I mean, uh, you know me. I'm a whiskey lady. I'm just saying. (laughs) We both need to acknowledge. Um, And uh, then she says, if you'll excuse me, uh, I think I got some blood on my stiletto. Uh, And you see Kevin (laughs) limping by uh, and she goes to to clean it off. Um, The rest of the party uh, is a huge success for you. 
uh, at one point, uh, once the evening's gone on a bit more, there's some drinks involved. You're asked to do a reading, uh, which you do to, to like a small crowd. Everyone loves it. Um, and as the party wraps up, uh, you make your way to go see Walter Sims. Um, you arrive at his penthouse, um, which is um, a uh, stunning against everything you'd expect from a guy like this. Well, like well positioned, statues everywhere, like it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he he you know uh, brings you in, greets you, um, and uh, offers you a drink. So you you know get your I assume gin or is there like a fancy drink you would ask a rich person for? probably go for his most expensive wine okay yeah so he has an ancient bottle of wine um that he he brings out of some like dark cellar room that that is sort of um he controlled uh and he just looks at it um almost longingly and he's like truly a beautiful vintage um so he cracks it uh and he pours a glass for you and a glass for himself um you notice that uh, every time he sips it, um, he kind of winces hmm. um, and just, oh, sorry, I have a, a bad tooth, you see. Um, but for you, this this wine tastes unimaginably good. Mm-hmm. It is, it, it's truly brilliant. And it, it's like a like a 200-year-old French vintage. Like it's, this is some- It's good. Some rich people shit. Yeah. Um, and eventually um, he says, uh, well- uh, to the business at hand. Iris, uh, your work has inspired uh, me for some time, and I, I'm in the, the business of, of supporting artists who, who inspire me, and I have done so for ages, ages and ages, longer than you can possibly imagine. I think the world is not worth living in if, if it is bereft of art. Uh, and so I've made it my, my mission to, to continue to supply the world with, with art I think is valuable. And yours, Iris, is, is amongst the best. Oh, thank that I've you. I've ever seen. Um, he says, uh, however, um, I do have a concern uh, about you. Um, and he um, sort of reaches to a side table and uh, hands a folder across the, the table to you. Um, and you open it to, write, to see that it's uh, your medical report. Um, and he says, uh, I hope you will forgive this rather severe intrusion on personal privacy, but I own the hospital, so they did me a solid, as it were. Um, Iris, as you can see, the results are not good. Uh, you have a, a tumor that won't necessarily kill you today or tomorrow, but will kill you soon, sooner than perhaps you would hope. Uh, we, I had several other doctors take a look, and from the odds of it, uh, in the best case scenario, you have about another 15 years. Worst case, it could be as soon as two months. Now, they're saying it's likely longer, but this is a great tragedy to me. And although this one is operable, the rest that will follow might not be. And Iris, if this disease takes you, the world will lose an important source of art. And I simply cannot allow that. Uh, so, Iris, you look at these results, and yeah, it's a small, small, small brain tumor. Um, but odds are there could be more. Um, what goes through your mind? Panic, grief, fear, all that, all that good terrible stuff. stuff. So he sees that play out on your features, and uh, he, he, he looks on very, like, empathetically. And then he says, um, but it doesn't have to be the end, Iris. There are options for people as talented and as worthwhile as you. So all I ask is, do you 
wish to avoid this particular catastrophe? Do you wish your life to continue and to continue to create the art you do? Yes. At any cost. What does that mean? I simply mean that such difficult problems require incredibly difficult solutions. But you do wish to live, yes? Yes. And to continue to create. Yes. And then uh, he smiles and nods and he says, Good. I'd hoped you would say that. And then you notice his uh, incisors begin to grow. And he just says, I do apologize about this next part. It is rather unpleasant. Uh, and with that, he leaps across the table, spilling the wine, and sinks his teeth into your neck. You wake up with your vision slightly blurred, and you feel different. You're in a room in Walter Sims' uh, penthouse. The blinds are down, uh, and you find yourself surrounded in dirt. What do you do? freak out and dig myself out yeah so uh you begin digging you find um a a kind of a wooden barrier which you push off uh, and find that uh you seem to have been um, stuffed in dirt uh in some kind of wooden box uh it's very ornate it's very beautiful it seems to have been hand carved and looks very old um you you sit up um in in a panic uh, and you can feel um, your senses have shifted. You, everything feels a little bit more alive, a little bit more vivid. As you stare at the, the carving on the wooden box, you're transfixed. You've never noticed how intricate the details of a carving can be. Um, and then you hear a knock at the door, uh, and it opens to reveal uh, Walter Sims and a building that has been plunged into almost complete darkness. Um, there are heavy, heavy shades that are drawn over every window. Um, and he says, So... You're probably wondering what has happened to you. Uh, yeah, you're fucking right. Hmm. Please, come join me. Um, and uh, he kind of ushers you unsteadily. There's not a whole lot you can do. Um, in, back into the living room. Everything's been cleaned up. Um, you think you're, you're starving. You're just so hungry. Uh, and you realize that you haven't eaten anything but finger foods at this fucking party. And also, presumably, were drugged. Because it seems like you bit your neck. And that seems insane. Mm-hmm. Um, you sit down with him and... Um, he says, uh, I noticed you enjoyed uh, the wine uh, previously, and this will be a hard conversation. So here, please. And he, he passes you um, a wine glass. Uh, do you take a sip? Yes. Um, your whole body comes, comes awake and alive with, with this, this sip of, of this beverage. It's thick and red and not quite the same um, consistency as, as uh, the wine you had previously. Uh, but you find yourself downing the glass almost immediately. And he pours you another one, he pours himself one, and this time he doesn't flinch. And then he proceeds to explain that you have become a kindred. And he explains the nature of your transformation and that as uh, a vampire, you'll be able to continue to create art. And he says he's done this for any number of artists throughout time, some of whom are still creating, some of whom return in different guises. Uh, he has a laugh about uh, how everyone thought uh, Elvis came out of nowhere. Um, and uh, says he must introduce you to uh, uh, Biggie Smalls at some point, uh, who lives across town. Um, but uh, he explains that as a collector of art, uh, he's made it his, his life's purpose to ensure that the great artists never cease to disappear. Um, but Iris, you can't string together a line of poetry in your head at all. 
do you mention this to him or do you just kind of continue to take it in? I think I just still continue to take it in. Um, so he explains the situation to you, explains your powers. Uh, what you, you get the sense he doesn't know that you're Toriador, nor does he know what the bane of Toriador is. So he has no clue yeah. that you can no longer do art. So he explains all of this to you um, and he says, well, anyway, Iris, I believe this is the beginning of a, a beautiful relationship. As your, your sire, I, w- I will be sure to uh, keep an eye out for you and uh, protect you as you, you step into this new life. Don't go out during the day. Also, um, well, there, there's some rules about something called the masquerade, but I'll explain those at a later date. In the meantime, uh, please continue to enjoy this, this vintage for you. Uh, I wanted to make sure you had something special. And then he turns the bottle um, and you can see that he's uh, pasted the front cover of one of Chantel's books on it. It says, uh, it's Halloway, Vintage 2020. Ew, oh my god. Um, and uh, with a laugh, he kind of uh, leaves you to your thoughts. Um, minutes later, you receive a text message from Iggy saying, I need help now. And there's no joy in it. There's no, there's no smarminess to it. And when you check your voicemail, uh, you have a frantic message from me. He's saying, like, please, Iris, I need you. I, I, I'm not fucking around. Please, you got to help me. Uh, and so despite how strange all of this is, you take your leave of Walter Sims and you rush to help Iggy. Um, you find him uh, pretty much cornered. You're able to slip in through a side door, um, but cornered uh, by the police in uh, a building. There's blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. You don't know what happened. Um, he looks panicked. Uh, you can see he's a little cut up. Um uh, Starla is dead in a corner um, and he's just like I fucked up I fucked up Iris um, I got into some some bad shit and like the cops are here and, and there's there's I, I think there, there's the, the thing that did this is still around but but please you, 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 you gotta help me out so Iris knowing how charismatic you are I think you're gonna go confront the cops yeah what is your strategy um I mean I obviously want to get the details but it, it's probably just gonna be to bribe them and pay them off and use influence okay um, so, uh, and Miles, I'm going to need you to, uh, claim a failed dice here. Uh, just so okay. you roll the messy success for me. Okay. That'd be great. So, um, Iris, you step out, uh, of this kind of, um, weird, uh, store that you're in. It's probably like a, a high-end clothing store where that was clearly the site of a rave pre this murder because fancy people do dumb things. Mm-hmm. Um, you step out and you can see a bunch of, uh, Chicago PD, cruisers pulled up um cops kind of like with guns up being like come out we know you're in there um and uh you step out to, to greet them um what do you say you're still wearing your green dress although it is covered in dirt yeah um but uh weirdly as you you see all of them you can almost feel their pulse mm-hmm. uh of their hearts beating and their blood rushing and you look around and kind of take in these police officers and you feel like you can manipulate them. Mm-hmm. Feels like you have that power. Right. What do you do? This was all just a, a big mistake, a big practical joke. Everything's fine. No one's been harmed. This is just uh, an out of hand party. Um, so go ahead and roll me a check, please. Let's say um, persuasion and charisma. And please include actual hunger dice because you are now kindred. Uh, 
That would be a messy successy. Oh, good. <laughs> um, as you say this, um, you can see them tense and almost by reflex, um, uh. you bare your teeth and and snarl at them. Uh, and they just yell like, holy shit, what? what? Um, and then uh, as they panic, you quickly dart back into the store, um, shove Iggy out the back door. Uh, what do you say to him as he goes? fuck nuts um and he he kind of uh like nods to you and rushes off moments later uh you get a a phone call as you're you're behind the store now the cops are like panicked and trying to figure out what the fuck to do uh you get a phone call from walter sims who just says iris what did you just do i don't know did you reveal your new nature to mortals i don't know Well, I know, because they're coming for you now, Iris. All of them. You know that masquerade I told you I would tell you about? Well, you broke it. And that means every vampire in this city is now out to kill you. You need to run. Run far. I'm sending you an address. It's a place in Montreal, Canada. It's very cold, but you can no longer feel it, so I'm sure you'll be fine. You need to go now. Get your assistant to bring whatever you need. Go to the airport. Go. Uh, okay? I'll be in touch. Um, looking around this alleyway, you suddenly feel eyes on you from every corner, and you begin to run. Shit. This episode of Blood and Serum features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, and Megan Miles at Maggie Miles on Twitter, featuring storyteller Tom McGee at McGeePD on Twitter. This episode was edited by Tom McGee, and all of Dum Dums and Dice's art is by Decapitated Markers at Decapitated Marker on Twitter. That's M-R-K-R. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis, and Traffic by Ty Engel, and all our ads are tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All of their music is available on freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dumb Dumbs and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. You can also get merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice and you can join our Patreon darkness, patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. Sleep well, children of the night. Ah, 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 ah. Spooky. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, Jason Denson, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, DM Rob, Christopher Little, Joshua White, Olin Anderson, Sue Wan, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.